Guess it's time again for Buddy Martin. Call him up and tell him what you're thinking. But be kind because he's doing the best he can. Better. Stronger. Faster. Mama says that alligators are owner because they got all them teeth but no toothbrush. Hey, what if the voice calls while you're gone? Take a message. <laughs> I'm ready for this my whole life. I'm incapable of small talk. <laughs> but that's why you love me, right? Kind of intimidating to be in the presence of so many great athletes. Now, here he is, the coach. Buddy Martin. Hello, Buddy Martin Show. Some of you are saying, what is he doing on this time? Well, we're on all the time, folks. We're just coming to you a little bit early on some of our new hours. We will still be available and talking to you most of the day. Right now, this hour, we'll be bringing you the Buddy Martin Show, presented by our fine sponsors, among them, Daniel L. Hightower, lawyer fighting for action, victim justice since 1976, the sponsor of the podcast. Don't forget, you can hear it on SoundCloud and Stitcher, and you can get it right here on Facebook. Also, thanks to the Ocala Quarterback Club and those fine people over there. We'd like to recognize the ones who make it possible for us, and especially today, Greg Ergel of Greg Ergel Financial Services in Ocala. I always like to say, I don't know much about money, but Greg does and how to invest it. I suggest you call him today and get an appointment with Greg Ergel of Greg Ergel Financial Services. On the program today, I'm Buddy Martin. Uh, We've got our our producer in-house here running things for us. And we got special lineup. We're pretty crowded today with the lineup, both today and tomorrow, by the way. Thank you for joining this show a little early today. But as I said, you folks who normally join about an hour and a half or an hour later will be able to pick it up then. And we've got all kinds of things coming your way at different hours of the day now, whether a pop-up broadcast or a late-night Deli Deli, our scheduled guest. And this, of course, is the regular Thursday Buddy Martin Show. Today with somebody we've never had on the program all these years and times, a young fellow named Bill Sykes from Gators Breakdown Podcast. He caught my eye with a piece he did recently uh, regarding the uh, use the, the acquiring of five stars and a breakdown on who gets them, and who doesn't, and why and how much it affects them. In just a minute, we'll join Bill. Also on the program a little bit later. Mike DeRocco from ESPN Jacksonville on the Jaguars, a team he he covers. And, of course, what a season the Jaguars had. And uh, we'll see what he wants to say about Blake Bortles. Is he in jeopardy? Will they trade him? Will they keep him? We'll talk to Mike about that. And then Shelby Williams from Gainesville from our show, Buddy Martin Show, covered a press conference today uh, for her station she works at there in Gainesville. Uh, and she talked to Billy Gonzalez, who's a very interesting member of the staff for Dan uh, Mullen. He was here 10 years ago, and he was the best wide receiver coach at Florida in the last 10 years. So we're looking forward to hearing what Shelby has. And if there's time, we'll talk to our buddy Franz Beard. you here on his The problem is that uh, Franz ticked. He is really ticked. So meanwhile, it's time to go out to our first guest uh, tonight. This is going to be fun talking to a guy who's uh, – he likes to get in there and mix it up and break it down a little bit. <clears throat> and uh, he wrote a piece or had a piece that I caught my eye. Of course, you can get his podcast naturally. His handle, um, he is at Real B Sykes on Twitter. 
that's kind of where I found him, and I thought he had some interesting things to say. So he and his partners do this show called Gators Breakdown. He and David Waters and Will Miles, and I believe they might be members of the Gator Nation Kingdom, but I'm not sure. I think I saw their name there. But nonetheless, let's welcome Bill aboard the program, Buddy Martin Show. Hello, Bill. Hey, how's it going today? Good, man. Good, good. Um, I'm anxious to know about you and you, you three dudes and what you're doing and what the reaction is you're having. And before we get started, I understand you have the same affinity for Dan Mullen that I do. I, uh, I've been a fan for a long time. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I know that <clears throat> uh, I, I find myself, I don't want to develop a bromance here, okay? But <laughs> I'm liking him better all the time. I've known Dan a long time, but I think what he's doing now, he's making the right moves, all the right moves so far, but he hasn't coached a game yet, Bill. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, you know, and, and I like a lot of what I see. And, and let's be honest, I'm a, a numbers guy. Uh, and if you've caught my work or, or heard the show before, you know that. And so there's a lot to be proven. And I'm going to always call it like I see it based on what the numbers tell me. Uh, but so far, uh, what we're seeing him do, what we're seeing him, the processes he's putting in place, and even some of the results that are, that are yielding, being yielded from those processes uh, are showing some positive returns, and I'm pretty excited about it. All right, before we get into <clears throat> Gators and the stuff about the five-star, which you I thought you so eloquently put together, I was really impressed with your work. I don't pass around too many compliments, being a writer, author myself, and one who uh, hopefully has stuff that people like to read and, and comment on. Uh, let's talk about you three dudes, all right? Okay. David Waters, Will Miles, and the great Bill Sykes. Who are you, and what are you doing, Bill? Well, you know, we're all we're all Gator fans, first of all, and that's kind of what distinguishes our podcast from from some of the others, um, and, and that's kind of our point of view. Uh, David Waters is an employee of WJXT, uh, who's now a, a sponsor and partner with our show, um, so he's got a media background. Will Miles is the founder of ReadAndReaction.com, and he puts together some great statistically oriented football pieces on his website. And I'm kind of a veteran of the board community, you know, a lifelong Gator fan, and I kind of came up uh, hashing out the minutia of all things recruiting and football. Uh, it's been decades now, and, you know, I, Dave caught some of my work on one of the boards about a year ago. He invited me on to talk about uh, Gator football and recruiting from a numbers perspective, and the reaction was pretty big, and the show has grown steadily. I think we've grown by about a 1,000% this year. Like I said, just picked up WJXT as a, um, as a, a corporate partner, and uh, the audience continues to grow, and we just continue to have a blast, especially in these times when uh, things are looking up for Gator football. All right, so <clears throat> tell me what your take on this was, because we were involved early on with the Dan Mullen story and, of course, the Chip Kelly story, uh, which we talked about quite a bit. And at the time, I think we were the only people talking about Chip Kelly, <laughs> and we had the information that we knew he was going to go, that they were going to visit him up and. Uh, in, in, in Connecticut. And, uh, we released that information and you thought the world fell off its axis, you know, because none of the regular media, quote unquote, of which I was been for many years before that, um, had that information. And we knew the intent was obviously to try to see if we want to come to Florida. But our little thing was that we just wanted to get the truth. I know everybody says that we wanted to find out what the truth was. And our sources told us that they'd seen the contract. Two different people. First, one source said they're going to fly up and they'll be there at this time. And sure enough, they did. Second one was said and third said, well, he has a contract. He's looked at it. One said he'd signed it. One of them said he's all but signed it. So our position was we could have sort of moved the football down the field and Chip Kelly like, OK, he's at the 40. 
He's at the 30. And we had him all the way down to the one-yard line, ready to punch it in. I just couldn't pull the trigger, although everyone was telling me it's going to be a done deal. Uh, it turned out it wasn't a done deal, and people have told me lots of stories since that time, agents, media people, whatever, no matter. Of course, in the end, they got the right man. What is your take on the Kelly stuff? What did you hear, and what was your response to it? And then what was your response after Mullen got the job? You know, it's funny. We, we heard, I think, a lot of the same things you did. And from inside the program, it, it was very clear that the intent was to bring Kelly in as the coach. And uh, it was also clear that the Florida guys thought they had. You know, and, it, and it's kind of interesting because it's very similar to what you get in recruiting information a lot of times and why you have information that comes in so confidently uh, that doesn't pan out. And that's because you're talking about a, uh, a bilateral agreement here. It, it's, it's two parties involved. And while the one may be confident and hundred percent sure it's happening, it still depends on that other party. And as it turned out, uh, Chip Kelly, you know, de- depend on your point of view, either he was, it was not the guy or he just chose to head out West. And, and as I believe he did, he just chose to, to head elsewhere. And, you know, UF, you know, ended up with Dan Mullen, who's a great coach, but it just didn't pan out like a lot of the uh, reports inside information were coming across. Well, in my many years, and that's why I have this gray hair, uh, I found out that, you know, the coaches like to maneuver and, and leverage and somewhat tell white lies uh, and negotiate and use the media to negotiate. So you have to be real careful when someone tells you something and hope that you can trust what they say. And during that time, it was hard to find trustable information. So anyway, that is it worked out that Mullen got the job. And since that time, I want to get your take on it. And I want to ask you about the five stars. As we say, when Mullen came off that plane chomping like he did, I think the Gator Nation has really gotten lit up and they're excited. Now, what he can do, we'll see when the season rolls around. We'll project those things later. But Certainly the recruiting class, and I think you follow it pretty closely. The recruiting class is better than most of us thought he would get. Emory Jones being the centerpiece and then having a pretty good day, second round and, and, and on the 7th of February. And the, the group they got together, uh, whatever, whatever a transitional class means. I asked him that the other day. <laughs> you know, I, I kind of know what it's supposed to be, but anyway. So, uh, and then you, like I say, you throw in those wide receiver transfers, which don't count. Uh, in recruiting class, and the fact that you got guys like Jordan Scarlett coming back doesn't factor in. I'd say it's been a fairly good, not a fairly good, a very good offseason for the new head coach of the Florida Gators. Do you agree? I, I do agree, and I think the transition class, by the way, just for anyone that hasn't heard that term, it's the first recruiting class of, of a new coach, and they come in with not much time. They're behind the eight ball from the start because they got like a month or two to recruit versus the other coaches who have been developing this relationship for a few years. And when you look at the numbers, uh, Dan Mullen's 2018 class at Florida stacks up against the best uh, transitional classes in post-Spurrier Florida history. Uh, had the highest average composite player rating of any transition class uh, at a .9069. He uh, tied for the most national top 100 recruits of any UF transition class. And again, this includes Urban Meyer's group. Uh, he was one shy of Urban Meyer's 2005 uh, record for transitional classes with nine national top 250 uh, recruits. Jim McElwain only had three, so he's tripled uh, that result from 2015. So, yeah, there, there's some good signs here that this is a very good start. All right, let's get to the recruiting and the um, the five stars and the four stars and whatever. As I recall the piece, and I think you wrote it, whoever was on your site, talked about who's getting the five stars and who's not. We kind of know that Georgia got a bunch and Alabama gets them. 
the, the, the next in line guys don't get many. Sometimes you get them, you can turn your program around. Other times you can get a four or a three and coach them up to be play like a five. And those are the development quarterbacks, the coaches come in. And bottom line is, is that right now, um, why is it the rich keep getting richer? You know, and why is it so hard to get a five star? Like obviously Ohio State, uh, did with, uh, Ferrer, uh, and, and, and stole a premier player out of Florida. I subscribe to the theory you got to stop the bleeding in your own home state first before you can do anything about it. But too many Florida play, Florida high school players are going out of state. So, so tell me about the piece on five stars and what you deducted from that. Well, you know, the research on, on, star recruiting rankings it's controversial among uh florida fans and, and college football fans in general and it got a lot of attention when jim McElwain stopped bringing them in the last few years and you ask why well there, there was a host of reasons and, and not many of them were good uh, but when you talk about the importance of them uh let me just say this no national champion has been without a five star since they started keeping national records of these things like since 2002 when you had more than one national service uh, coming out of these star rankings, I, I've tracked it all the way back. Every team since has had them on their roster, and they've averaged 10.8 on their roster. Even if you you want to get what sassy, the average 10.8. What is that? I mean, it's over a four-year cycle previous to that that national champion and those four recruiting classes. It's a cumulative uh, cumulative average of how many each champion had. Yeah, and even if you take Alabama out of that. Um, it's still up there. It only drops down not even 10%. Uh, the SEC champions average even more than that. They average 11. Well, Florida's got two left on their roster, and they're both graduating this year. So they're not meeting that benchmark. When you want to talk about purely five stars, you know, and, and keep in mind, 63% of the five stars that Florida has brought in since 2002 have ended up as AP first or second team all SEC in the postseason. 63%. These are guys that are less than 1% of the FBS level recruits and they make all SEC 63% of the time. And no champion team, SEC or national champion has been without them. So this is something that's got to get fixed. Thinking back about it, I remember Spurrier's years in South Carolina. There were two huge five stars that trained that program and they won 11 and 11 games three straight years. Certainly Marcus Lattimore and Jadavian Clowney made a huge difference when they were there. So to say that they don't matter, your evidence, your empirical, and by the way, you are a five-star nerd. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, by the way. You call yourself a five. I'm not being disparaging. That's what you call yourself, a five-star nerd, right? <clears throat> yeah, that's right. It's just yeah. kind of caught on. <laughs> kind of fun, like it, disparaging. Uh, so, so what does that tell us? Do we go all out to get five stars? Because you can't build your team around three or four five stars. You have to have a team. It still is a team game. So so what does your research tell you about that? Well, my observations, both from the data and from just qualitative assessments watching recruiting for the last 20, almost 25 years, is that there's a lot of misnomers and, and little false adages out there where people say things like, oh, this was a year we needed to balance the roster. This is a year when we needed depth. This is a year when it wasn't about num uh, qual uh, quantity. It was just about quality. 
I'm going to tell you right now, the name of the game in recruiting is you, if, if you want what Florida wants, what Florida fans want, what the boosters want, what the university wants, what the coaches want and the players want, and that's to win championships and to beat your rivals, to win against FSU, to win against Georgia, to win against Tennessee, LSU, and in Atlanta. If you want to win those games every single year, you have to be out like a pack of dogs chasing down the most best players you can get. It's quality and quantity every year. And, yes, you're going to have to get some of those five stars. They're the top 25 to 35 players in the country um, each year. There's not many of them, but Florida has landed the pre-McElwain. They had landed them in every single recruiting class except Urban Meyer's uh, 2005 transitional class. And then he exploded for, you know, three to six a year after that. So it's got to change. That's what has to happen every single year. All right. So when you go back, though, and let's, let's, let's advance your theory up to the professional level, okay? Okay. I'm not sure you can do this, but let's try it. You've got me surprised. <laughs> the NFL, now, if you go back and look at the Hall of Fame players mm-hmm. and you try to figure, you know, what their great players did, there are – surprisingly a number of players who are not first round draft choices in the hall of fame. Now that of course is different because players do develop indifferently when they get older, but they're telling me by this data that, you know, you don't have to build your team around all first round draft choices. However, in today's world, the quarterback is everything and in, in, in not even one's not enough anymore in the NFL. So obviously the quarterback is usually your, your best player. So tell me uh, about how they equates. You got one where you say you got to have the best player. You get to make it work. You can never, you'll never be able, you'll never be Alabama, Florida, Georgia, or, or whoever if you, you know if you're Vanderbilt or, or Mississippi State if you don't get the best ones. So what does that tell you about uh, the difference in the two? Well, it's funny you mention that because I actually have a whole uh, data set and analysis piece that I've done on the NFL draft that shows that. Uh, uh, five stars are 3,600 times more likely to be drafted than a three-star. They go higher uh, in the draft. 72% of uh, five stars get drafted. So there's that component. But when you talk about building around the best players, I think what you have to ask yourself is this, because we are talking about five stars now still. Um, let's go back to these champion teams. Where would Ohio State 2002 be without Maurice Claret? 2005 Texas without Vince Young. 2006 and 2000, uh, 2006 Florida without Tim Tebow, Chris Leak, or Percy Harvin. 2008 without Tebow. And it goes on and on and on. The, the USC uh, championship team had uh, Reggie Bush and Matt Leiter. It's just five-star, 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 five-star all the way down. Um, you absolutely have to have elite talent. It's game-changing. It, every single year we see this. Our, Cam Newton is another one. Jameis Winston from FSU. Hey, uh, Tua Tagovailoa from Alabama, five-star comes in out of nowhere for Alabama this year and wins the national championship. It's every single year these are the kids you see, uh, these elite talents, specifically a quarterback. I think you've seen uh, five five-stars of the last 13 national titles. Uh, seven of the last 14 quarterbacks in national championship teams will rank number one or number two as their position as high school quarterback recruits. And nine of the 14 last 14 national championship quarterbacks were in the top five quarterbacks as recruits. It's not even remotely close. And keep in mind, again, when you compare the vast number of three stars who make up um, about, oh, let's see, it's I got it right here. That's about 60% of your FBS level prospects. Four stars are about 10%, and one, uh, five stars are only 1%. That means that 
you should have three stars winning about 68 awards and championships to every one that a five-star wins if stars didn't matter. But that's not what we see. Well, you have earned your name. You're, 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 you've earned the, the, the tag, five-star nerd. Those numbers are coming to me so fast, I have to write them down. I, I can't remember them all. But you know what? It's good stuff, man. Kudos Thank you very to you much. For doing the homework. That's what I like guys who do their homework. <laughs> I'm not a huge draft guy, but I, when you can explain it like you explained it and put the numbers behind it and quantify it, that's good. And it's, instead of people going on and you don't listen to your show, just giving opinions based on nothing but their opinions, what do I care about their opinions? Who are they? You've proven to me that you do your homework and you know something about it, and I congratulate you. And we'd like to have you on again sometime on the show. I'll be glad to come anytime I'm invited. It's an honor. If Thank you me. haven't joined the, uh, the Gator Nation Kingdom by now, though, Bill, you've got to get aboard, man. Uh, on Facebook, sir, we have a wild bunch of people. Friday night, we have a late night Dilly Dilly show. We're on our people. They're all Gator lovers. They know you. I've had a couple people message, oh, the, the bill's on. Great. So check it out and tell people about our show. We'll tell them about your show. Tell them again how to get your show. Well, you can find us on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, uh, SoundCloud. It's Gators Breakdown. I'm the co-host with David Lurch and Will Miles. Also check Will's stuff out at Read and Reaction. And most importantly, if you can, please follow me on Twitter at Real B Sykes. Real B Sykes, S-I-K-E-S. Yeah, like the bad guy from Oliver Twist. Yeah, I'm not like the guy Dan Sykes from Jacksonville, the former golfer before your time, S-Y-K-E-S. Hey, great stuff, man. I sure appreciate it. All right, we'll be in touch again, all right? Thank you so much. I'd be glad to. All right, that real B. Sykes. Let's see if Brendan's back there and can give us a fresh update. Thank you. All right, Bill, you can go ahead and hang up because Brendan's in the other room, so we'll just let you do that, so thank you. Uh, <laughs> all right, thanks a lot. We just talked to Franz Beard, and we're going to attempt to get Franz on at 4.22 here. I don't see. Maybe I can just call him on my cell phone and get this working. I hope you folks are doing well out there. This uh, just caught you at a little bit of a surprise that we bounced on the air at 4 o'clock today. And we've uh, – excuse me one second. We've been uh, – we've been talking about this for quite some time, about whether to move the show – uh, better for production time, better for uh, folks to see it, and then we're going to see the replay. Uh, we're on a podcast. We're on iTunes, by the way, the Buddy Martin Show. Excuse me for making noises. We're on iTunes. We're also on um, Stitcher, and we're on, um, let's see here, podcasts, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, and hold on, I'm forgetting something here. Anyway, our podcast is up every day about an hour after. Oh, we're, on, we're also on uh, TuneIn Radio. So people say, well, you're not on the radio. Well, we are on the radio. We're on TuneIn Radio. Um, and uh, so you and the podcast are presented by Daniel L. Hightower, a lawyer fighting for accident and victim justice since 1976. We're going to call France because it was a really, really bad night last night for the Gators. This is one of the all-time meltdowns. I've seen you get a basketball last night. How can you be ahead? What was it, seven points with, you know, 28 seconds or something and lose a game to Georgia at home? It's just unimaginable how that could have happened. Now, I know the natives are restless. I know the people who want to fire Mike White and all that. Don't start with that fire the Mike White stuff. That's not going to happen, okay? But uh, there, are, there is some unhappiness, and understandably so, and I, I think there's some answers to are required here. So we're going to see if we can get Francis before he gets out of pocket and goes working out someplace. 
and chat with him for a second and get his take on things. Franz, are you there? Yes, I am. Hello, Franz. How you doing? I know you're going to work out, and we've got Mike DiRocco coming up here in about five minutes, but we want to get with you because we've texted back and forth about the game, that debacle last night um, and the um, what happened there with uh, – with the Gators, I, it was either six or seven points they were up with about 28 seconds to go, and everything bad happened. And they, 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 they you, you describe it. I, I've got my notes right here. You describe what you saw. They were up 57 to 50 with a minute 26. They were up 59, 53 right. with 25 seconds right. to go. Um, they gave up the three pointer to Yante Mayton, which should have never happened. Uh, At 15-8? Yeah, he's, he's a good enough shooter that you gotta, you, you gotta cover And they just left him alone and he, it was like standing up there shooting fish in a barrel. He loaded up, he shot, and he made it. And then they come down and Jalen Hudson, and I have no idea why he was even in ball game up because he had, had, had played so poorly, had not scored a point, uh, had missed his only two uh, just had had, a, had an all-around rotten game, his worst game of the game as a Gator. He gets the ball and he turns it over, they give it back, they come back down the floor, they give it to Mason, and guess what? Makes he nails game. another three. This was with five seconds to play in the game, he makes that. Five seconds. And then with five seconds to go, the worst inbounds play I think I've ever seen. Five seconds is eternity. Absolute eternity. you got to remember something. Chris Chioza scores the game-winning basket against Wisconsin with less than four seconds on the clock. I mean, there was the best. He took the ball, got it to the other end of the court, and got a three-pointer on in less than, in, in less than four seconds. So five seconds is eternity. And absolutely the worst-looking inbounds play. Then they go into overtime, and they miss three out of their first four free throws. My goodness. Uh, you know, between Chris Chioza, Jalen Hudson, and Gavarius Hayes, they were a collective one for eight from the foul line last night. Well, I know they were one for six, and uh, the score was tied 68-65. And uh, Hayes, missed, Hayes missed, was, was one for four. And even Chiosa got two goose eggs. You don't see that happen. But you didn't mention one no. play. Kayvon Allen's behind the back play, trying in with the ball, trying to. What was that? I know he makes that play a lot, but the dribble behind the back where he lost the ball. Well, you know, it's, it's just one, you know, one more thing in an inexcusable loss. And there have been a bunch of them this year. Uh, Florida has lost nine ball games. And the Gators were ahead in the second half in seven of them. What does that tell you? What What does that tell you? And what does it mean? Uh, I mean, what, what, what's your opinion right now, Mike White? Let's just tell it like it is. Oh, I think Mike White is a very, very good basketball coach. I think Mike White does. You know, for all the stuff we knock about Casey Hill, Casey Hill was a, was a team guy and a glue guy. And he was in games late in games for a reason, even though he wasn't a good free throw shooter. And that's because he knew the right thing to do at the right time. Um, this team, uh, I, it's like yesterday. Uh, why is it that Igor Kulichov 
only gets like nine shots in the entire ball game. The guy was, I mean, he hits six out of nine from the field, six out of seven from the foul line, leading rebounder, and yet, strangely, he doesn't get the ball a whole lot. Uh, now, he's unselfish, but he, he, he had a game last night where he'd been able to rest on Sunday and Monday because he has plantar fasciitis, and he had lift last night. You can always tell when his feet aren't hurting because he's able to get off the ground. And last night, he was able to get off the ground. And he had lift. He's hitting shots. Doesn't get the ball. Blows my mind that he's not getting the basketball. Uh, driving the basket. They, they could, you know, Georgia parked itself on the, on the three-point line in the second half. And they gave, they basically gave the Gators the driving lanes. They didn't take them. I, I'm, I, I'm just totally missed at this team that they can continually, they go that, they take those steps forward and you think they got it now. They got it now. And then all of a sudden it's like those two steps backwards and you're scratching your head yeah. and you're pulling your hair out and you're saying, yeah, or worse, and and they're up by ten. I mean, the game then they the close late and they came back again. You figure that when a team does that, they're going to put a team away. When you're up by six or seven late with the with a minute and a half to go or whatever, that's a game you should never lose. It takes a whole no, lot. You um, when you're hit by eleven with ten minutes to go yeah, in the ball game, right. you should not have ten consecutive empty possessions. Yeah. Ten. Yeah. Pretty bad, Francis. This was, I think, other than the Florida State game, I think this was their worst game of the year. Yeah, I agree. I really and truly do. All right, you need to go work. You go need to go work out, get this steam off. You're mad, so let me let you go. But uh, well, let me tell you one other thing. All right, got about a minute. What makes this What makes this game even more? to uh, someone who follows them closely is the fact that they play elite level defense for probably 85 to 90% of the game. Now they had some slip ups like they're at the end. They gave up a couple three pointers to Maiden that they should have never. But for the most part, you hold the team to 59 points in the regular, in, in the regulation time, you ought to win the ball game. Yeah, I give it up for Maiden. He played the heck of a ball game and, and Florida's team looks exhausted at the end. Uh, who knows what's wrong with the problem. It's still time to go here, but, boy, you can't lose games like that. So, all right, Francis, thanks for doing this at the last minute. We'll talk to you tomorrow on the program, all right? Thanks a bunch. Frank's beard from uh, – let's see, before we get a hold of Mike DiRocco, and I hope uh, – we're going to dial him, right? DiRocco? Yes. Give me a minute. Let me give a minute here to kind of gather myself uh, and remind folks that uh, the program is brought to you by – among others, Daniel L. Hightower, lawyer, fighting for accident victim justice since 1976. Uh, we appreciate his sponsorship and the support of the program, uh, along with the Ocala Quarterback Club. Uh, I want to remind you that it's the car accident or work accident or wrongful death, personal injury, social security disability. Contact Daniel L. Hightower, lawyer. Fighting for accident victim justice since 1976. Call 352-629-7777 or visit danhightower.com offices in Ocala.
Daniel L. Hightower, lawyer fighting for accident victim justice since 1976. Once again, thanks to the Ocala Quarterback Club, club captains that support this program. And we have a quarterback club show coming up on Monday. Uh, we'll be uh, visiting there with some of our folks from our friends from the club. Shout out to my friend Wes Wheeler. I hope he's feeling better today. He's the key guy for us in the Ocala Gator Tip-Off Club and in the um, the, uh, the the kick of the um, excuse me the quarterback club. Uh, thanks to Greg Ergel for Greg Ergel Financial Services. Uh, is one of the three people who helped make the publicity for the quarterback club possible on this show. So with that. Let's talk about the Jaguars. Let's see if we can get a hold of Mike Duraco. We have his number right. Calling him. Okay. We're going to call him uh, while we do that. And yeah, that bat, get her basketball. Ringing. Amazing. Hello. Uh, Hello. Let's see. I believe we got Mike Duraco on the line right now if we speak of ESPN. Hello, Michael. Hey, buddy. How are you? <clears throat> I'm not as good as you because you're on the beach now for about two months. <laughs> I'm not going to complain. After a long season, uh, I know. enjoying a little I like bit that. of downtime. Yeah, well, you certainly deserve it. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> we, last, we last talked to you. Uh, the, the Jags were riding pretty high and lost a heartbreaker, of course, um, in a game that they could have easily won. And I'd say if you want to grade this team on expectations, there probably was a – C minus, and they they probably had an A minus in terms of what they put together for a season. How are fans, in, how are Jaguar fans taking this now? Are they disgruntled, unhappy about the fact that they didn't get there when they could have, or do they see progress and they're happy? Or what's the mood of the city like? Well, they're still a little burned up about um, the loss to the Patriots. Um, there's still a lot of them that are not going to get over the officiating discrepancy or um, the third and 18 conversion they gave up. And, you know, as time passes, obviously they'll feel a little bit better, but, you know, I think there's a sense of, man, we, we could have been playing in that Super Bowl, and who knows what we would have done against that Eagles team. Cause certainly the Patriots defense was awful. Um, and the Jags defense is significantly better than the Patriots defense theoretically anyway. Um, so I think that there's still a lot of people that are are a little bitter over that loss. But, you know, a month or two months or three months from now, when they really sit back and look, they'll, they'll I would assume, be extremely excited and encouraged about what's coming up because that certainly was a, a, a season no one saw coming, and now the expectations are here. So I think this is going to be the most anticipated Jaguar season in a long, long time. Yeah, talk about expectations. We're going to have them, right? <clears throat> uh, so, so tell me in, in your gut here. You're pretty good at this kind of stuff. Uh, is this a one-hit wonder? Is there something really going on there at the ground level? Organically, are the Jaguars beginning to, to build something special there? Um, they obviously made a good choice in their coach. Bortles, I keep reading articles about, well, maybe they'll go some of the free agency market and, and get somebody else besides Bortles. Is he going to make the cut? I mean, I don't mean literally, but, I mean, will they go with Bortles? Or are you thinking to go after one of, the, one of the quarterbacks trade up or something? Well, I, the first thing is I, I don't get the sense that this is a one-hit wonder with this team. Now, that doesn't mean that they're going to be back in – the AFC title game next year because they're going to be playing a significantly tougher schedule. It's a first place schedule. It includes the 
NFC East, which includes a Super Bowl champion, uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Um, but they've got a foundation here of really good, um, solid young players and some great young players, especially on defense. So anytime you have that, that leads you to believe that things are um, going to be stable for a little bit. Now, obviously, injuries you know, wreak havoc with that, but we're just going to go on the assumption that everything's fine there. As for Bortles, um, I, they're going to go after Cousins. I'm, I, I get the feeling that they're really going to go after Kirk Cousins pretty hard. Really? Try Kirk and Cousins? Yeah. Mm. Because I think that, you know, I think while the foundation is here for sure, I think there's a sense, and, and, and you know, you, when you look at it, the way some contracts are structured, is that this, the, the, this, the window isn't completely going, isn't going to stay completely open for five, six, seven, eight years. This is not the New England Patriots here. This is, you know, a team where you've got some young guys on defense and you're going to have them for another two years um, before some of those guys, you know, where you're going to have to end up doing some salary cap things because certainly you're going to have to afford Jalen Ramsey, uh, Miles Jack, you know, Yannick Ngakwe, those guys are going to demand some big money contracts. And when you have a lot of guys with big money contracts, you got to let some other guys go. And that's just the nature of the NFL. So this defense being together the way it is, I see maybe two years, um, you know, and that's really what this team is going to be built around. So by getting a guy like a Kirk Cousins, who is an upgrade from Blake Bortles, if all of a sudden you add some more help on the offensive line and then you find another receiver or two to pair with Allen Robinson, fix, you know, or, or, or move tight end, you know, which is a big need for this team, then all of a sudden you're one of the best three or four or five teams in the NFL, and that Super Bowl window is going to be open probably just a little bit longer, especially with Cousins being not 30 yet. So, you know, it, I, I don't anticipate them moving on from Bortles if they cannot get Kirk Cousins, obviously. If Cousins isn't the guy that they can land, um, and they would be foolish not to pursue him. They would be foolish if they didn't do some due diligence and take a look and see what it would take to cost to, to sign him. They have the money on the cap. Let's see, you know, if Tom Coffin is not stupid, he's going to sit there and go, let's see, you know, if we can entice him to come here, we can do some things and, you know, get that offense, uh, you know, a little bit closer to the level that the defense is at. And then all of a sudden, you know, the Super Bowl is not is not completely out of reach. Um, so it, it, there's a, there, there definitely is a base here, but you know, there's nothing to, to, to stop this team from swinging big and, and cousins would be a huge get obviously. And, and that's what we'll know. I mean, there's that legal tampering position or a uh, period right before free agency begins. So, you know, if they, if Bortles is on the, the roster when the league year begins at 4 p.m. on the 14th of March, then he's going to be the guy. If he's not, then we know that they've landed Cousins most likely, and they're all headed for, um, you know, him signing it as soon as possible once free agency, uh, once the league year begins. Good for football that the Eagles knocked off the Patriots and and, and Nick Foles became a instant superstar for a couple of days before he goes back and rides the bench again. Or would it have been better for the Patriots to win another one? No, I mean, I think it's good for football. I mean, I think, uh, you know, it's not a surprise that, that um, a lot of people hate the Patriots. I mean, it, it, you know, we all saw those memes and those, you know, before the game where it was like a map of everybody that's rooting for the Patriots and it's Massachusetts and New England and then everybody rooting for the Eagles and it's the rest of the NFL, the rest of the country. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's good. I mean, it, it's good to get a new, some new blood in there. 
um, you know, just like it was, um, you know, when the Seahawks won it a couple of years ago. I mean, it's nice to see, you know, some new teams rise up. Now, it'll be interesting what they do, because obviously Carson Wentz is their guy, but he tore the ACL in November, so he's not going to be available at the start of the season. So, you know, Foles is probably going to end up having to start the season there, and then what do you do when, when Carson comes back? It'll be interesting. Is he, you know, I think Foles is under contract for 2018, but after that, I mean, who knows where the kid ends up. But I think it was good. It was nice for, um, you know, everybody that hates the Patriots to finally get a team that wasn't, you know, a team full of guys you don't like to win the the thing. The, the Eagles are an eminently likable team, absolutely. All right. All right, one more question from a caller, and then I'm going to ask you going to get going to get your take on something else in college football. Uh, one of our guys, um, Donald Wilder, says, Mike, do you think the Jaguars are going to pass on picking up Dante Fowler's fifth year option? Yes. I think they are because that's a significant amount of money. You're going to be looking at a, a payday of, you know, I think it's like 15, $16 million. Uh, might be more depending on what happens by the time, because it's the average of the top 10 at the salary. It just depends on what the number is. And he's not a 15, 16, 17, $18 million defensive end. Um, the, the guy that they drafted two rounds after him or the year, excuse me, the year after him in the third round, Unique Ngakwe, that's their best pass rusher, their best young pass rusher. So I think that they're going to concentrate on a big contract on Ngakwe in a couple of years. I don't think they're going to pick up the uh, the fifth-year option on Fowler. But that doesn't mean they won't try and resign him and bring him back at some reasonable numbers. It's just that they're not going to try and keep him around that extra year for that significant pay bump. Mike DiRocco, ESPN Jacksonville. In his previous life, he covered college football. He covered the Florida Gators. And I know, even though he's all this constant the Jaguar stuff. He follows the Gators from afar, watching where you have been and following the Gators. What do you make of all the coaching situations and what has happened since Dan Mullen came there and the Gator Nation, their response to Mullen and his, of course, uh, his, his first, his first uh, recruiting class. What's your take on all that? Well, uh, look, I don't know if I, we spoke about this before on your show, but I thought Mullen should have been the higher uh, over McElwain back when they hired McElwain. Um, I didn't like the McElwain hire then. Um, it obviously turned out not great for Florida at the end of it. They did make two SEC championship games, though. Uh, but I, I really like Dan Mullen. I think that he's the perfect guy right now. He gets what they want. They want uh, an energetic guy. They want a guy who's humble. They want a guy who loves the University of Florida and is just as much invested in Mary Wise's team and team and the volleyball or she means the women's basket or the women's soccer team and the lacrosse and he, 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 they want a guy who's as much of a cheerleader for the University of Florida as Steve Spurrier was and that's what they've got in Mullen and I think his first recruiting class considering when he came in um, I think he's done a really, really good job. That first class, it, it, I always caution people because it looks good on paper. It really does, but it, very rarely, at least in, in my experience covering those, those, the SEC for 13 years, those, those coaches that come in that first class, it's a transition class. You're trying to catch up, and you know it looks okay on paper, but it turns out you know you miss on a bunch of guys, and it's not as good as it as it 
looks when you get two or three years down the road. I expect next year's class uh, to be significantly better. Um, you know, they've got to land a couple of five-star wide receivers. They've got to get some more playmakers on the edge on offense, and I think Mullen will do that. be interesting to see what he does at quarterback, but I really like the hire. I think Florida made the right decision this time. Some of the best players that got the two wide receiver transfers, it could be make a big difference. Let me just play this with you right now one more time. I did this column earlier on Gridiron Now, and I talked about it on Paul Feinbaum yesterday. What kind of traits are, do, does Mullen have that are similar to what Meyer and Spurrier had? And I did this list, and tell me if you agree. I'm going to read it down real fast, okay? Both. Okay. They're like, he's like both in this regard. He's like both Meyer and Spurrier, a brilliant offensive football mind. Yeah, I would agree with that. All right. The sensational play caller like Spurrier. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think Mullen does a good job calling plays. Absolutely. Strategic has a plan to win like Urban. Yeah, he obviously got that from his time with Urban. I would agree with that as well. I mean, they, you know, he had him at uh, Utah, I think at Bowling Green as well. So, yeah, I would agree with that. Can develop three stars into four and five stars like both coaches, Meyer and Spurrier. Yeah, that's that's a lot on your staff, too. It's not just on the head coach. Um, part of the, the thing about those guys where they were able to identify those guys that they felt like they could develop a little further. Um, so, I mean, look, he took Dak Prescott and made him an, uh, an NFL starting quarterback. And, yeah, I mean, I, I don't see any reason, you know, why Mullen's not going to be able to get the best out of the guys that he gets. And if he can get the right staff, which it seems, you know, who knows if he does have the right staff, but it seems like he's got some good guys in place, you know, that could help, absolutely. Well, Billy Gonzalez had a press conference today, and the moment will be joining uh, Shelby Williams of our of our staff to talk about it. <clears throat> he was the guy here 10 years ago, and they had their best wide receivers on the, they've had in the last 10 years, so that would help. Uh, I'm going to zip through these real fast. Super competitive and hates to lose, both like Meyer and Spurrier. Passionate, both like Meyer and Spurrier. Thrilled to be on the job at Florida and makes football fun, like Spurrier. You agree with those? <clears throat> Absolutely. And, and you know, we, I talked about it a little bit ago. Yeah, he loves being at the University of Florida. He's a cheerleader for the Gators. And, you know, he he's just a good guy. He's got a great personality. He's funny. He's not afraid to take a couple of digs at you at Georgia like we saw the other day. So, Absolutely. I think that those apply to uh, to Dan Mullen as well. And finally, <clears throat> eight, nine, and 10, a superb recruiter like Meyer, nine, loves the challenge of an underdog, Spurrier, and 10, swagger, cocky, brash, gutsy, like Spurrier. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would, well, I, I don't know if I would say like Spurrier because that's a whole different level, but yeah, he's got a little bit of an edge to him. And I've always kind of believed um, that to be a really great coach in college, uh, especially in the, over the last 10, 15 years, you kind of have to have a bit of a jerk in you. And jerk is not the term I would use. I'd use a term that you know you can't say on the radio. Mm-hmm. Um, and for as good a guy as, as Mullen is, I think he's got that too. I think he's got that little bit of jerk in him, and you need that. I mean, Saban's got it. Um, you know, yeah. Meyer certainly has it. Jim Harbaugh. You heard it here first, I mean, right on my show. Mike Duraco calls Dan Mullen a jerk. There you go. Right. <laughs> Get the same place home. That's better than the other word, right? Exactly. Hey, Mike, yeah, thanks. I just for think time, you have to have a little thanks bit. Thanks for all season long for keeping us up with the Jaguars. All right? Appreciate it. Good stuff from Mike. All right. 
Uh, let's see if we need to go find Shelly Williams. She's been in the Mississippi Gainesville. Uh, she is going to, she went to the press conference. I think we're going to talk to her about what she heard today from, um, <clears throat> been a good show. We had Bill Sykes and it's got a nice note from Bill. Bill, thank you for the note. Appreciate that very much. <clears throat> um, let's see. Jeffrey Bennett said, got some heart for the orange and blue. I guess that's what he means by comparison. Yeah. I said he loves, he loves, obviously he loves the Gators. Uh, today on the program, Bill Sykes from, um, from the show, he does uh, Gators Breakdown. He's he calls himself a five-star nerd. And if you heard him break it down with those numbers, he fits that description. He calls himself that. He does a podcast with David Waters and Will Miles. Pretty interesting to hear those young guys talk. Uh, and Shelby's joining us. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, Shelby, how are you doing? Sorry, can you guys hear me? Yeah, Shelby, turn on your uh, camera if you have it. All right. Let's wait on Shelby to hook up there. And uh, you heard from Franz Beard, who's kind of ticked off about things. Uh, what happened last night at Exact Tech Arena, it was pathetic, I got to say. We don't like to rip coaches, players, whatever, but you got to say this is a collective failure to launch last night to protect a lead, the 11-point lead at halftime and six points with, I don't know, 15 or 16 seconds. It was just to lose that game is it's, that could take a lot out of a heart of our team. Speaking of heart, there's somebody with a lot of heart right there. Shelby, how you doing? Yeah, I'm not hearing her right now, but uh, Shelby, if you could turn your audio settings on, there yeah. you. Just see if Shelby can hear us now. Yeah, uh, we can see Shelby. We just there we do. I'm good. We just can't hear you. So can't hear you. So if you work on your. Oh <laughs> now. There it is. I can better. hear you a little better now. How are you, Shells? I don't think your Wi-Fi is working too good. <clears throat> so. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. we're here a little better. Hear me now. Hear me now? Yeah, go yeah. ahead and tell us right now while we got you. You went to the Billy Gonzalez presser today. What did you find out? Uh, yeah, so basically I went to the presser today and um, got to hear Billy Gonzalez speak for the first time. Uh, it was great to be able to uh, meet him. First of all, great guy. You know, he walked in. He was like, I really want to recognize the shooting at that high school yesterday and let everyone know that we're praying and all that. So that was really nice of him. Um, he also talked a lot about um, making Gator offense and his wide receivers ultimately act like a family. You know, he was talking about how he was so excited to move his family back to Gainesville. And uh, now that, um, you know, they're here, he was like, I only have one more family to make, and it's my guys. You know, they're they're part of my family, and they're that important to me. So that was another thing I thought was really cool of him to discuss. And, you know, this is the guy who produced, uh, you know, guys like uh, Percy Harvin and Chad uh, and Chad and all those other guys that came out of Florida and, you know, uh, at that huge moment in when we won the national championship. And, you know, you're so excited to see guys like him back here. Yeah, he <clears throat> Ryder Cooper, one of his uh, players too, lives here in Ocala. Yeah. We're going to have him on the show, I think, next week. With uh, uh, we'll see whether we get everybody. We're trying to sort. Joey Sorrentino is a dentist here in town. We're going to try to get on our late night daily deal. You haven't made an appearance on the late night daily deal yet. Uh, you, are you just not available? Or you're, you know, you got your you booked, or do you, are you ever going to come on or not? I don't know. Sorry, she heard can you say that again? <clears throat> I said you have yet to make an appearance on the late night daily deal show. Yes, I will. I'd love to. Uh, is it every night, or how often do you guys have it? Well, late night dilly dilly, you never know what's going to happen. It's usually this. It's going to oh, be tomorrow okay. night at nine o'clock. Uh, it pops up every now and then. We do pop up shows. 
Uh, your, our schedule's different now because we're all digital. Tomorrow's show, we're going to have, uh, Joe Williams from Denver and Terry Bradshaw and, uh, Chris Doring, uh, tomorrow. So it's going to be a Ben and of course, Franz will be on again like he is on the weekend. So, so tell me about, uh, what was your impression now? You, you've been around this program a little while. What was your impression in, in terms of what you see? Billy Gonzalez as a teacher and leader of a man, leader of a man, in just a brief time you were able to be able to to observe him today. I think we lost Shelby. Yeah, I'm not seeing her. So anyway, all right, thanks very much, Shelby, for doing that. If she calls back or oh, you, you got us now? I got you back, yeah. Okay, Stay give on. us your impression of Billy Gonzalez and what you saw in terms of of your ability, you think he can lead, you think he can coach, you get a sense that he was the kind of guy that you can feel the energy of a person in a room, you know, sometimes. What did you feel when you're in that room with him? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, he's already proved to us that he uh, he is more than capable of producing um, those great uh, show-stopping receivers. And, you know, today he came in and he acted like he owned the place and he was like, yeah, it's great to be back here. You know, I, I'm uh, more confident than ever. And, you know, he even went as far as saying, uh, some of his guys, you know, um, it's like, I'm going to make sure my receivers can do it all. I want to make sure that they can even, you know, block before they can catch a ball. Um, so that shows, goes to show that he really wants to make sure that they can do uh, pretty much everything in the book that they can do. And I think that he is more than capable of uh, getting these guys ready because, you know, obviously last year we had problems and, you know, too many problems to count from last year. I think he's going to turn them around pretty fast. Um, he's very on the idea of making them part of his family, welcoming them to university. And Jacob Copeland's name came up a lot in the conference as well. Yeah, they, what were they saying about Jacob Copeland? Yeah, they were, um, you know, some, some of the people were asking, uh, oh, you know, what's your relationship like with him? You know, what, what do you think? Uh, what do you think about him? How is he doing? You know, what, what has that recruiting process been like? And he was like, it's been great. You know, I was, I was a little nervous toward the end. He admitted, you know, he wasn't too sure if he was going to end up here or not, but he did finally say that, you know, uh, you got you got to trust the process, and you know he trusted what he and himself and what he was doing, and we ended up getting him there uh, last minute, and we we're very excited about that. And so was he. Uh, he had he was um, you know basically he's a part of the family as, as well now too. So he was very excited that he uh, ended up getting him despite being nervous. So I thought that was you know I, I asked this question of Dan Mullen when I was his last presser about the fact that Jacob Copeland had gone on Twitter and talked about how Billy Gonzalez in his home visit showed him his footwork, how he could improve his footwork. Yeah. That might have been the little thing that threw it over the edge because he wants to get better, and apparently no one had ever talked to him about his footwork. So that was an example that Mullen used about player development and things they could do. And this right. is a very good teaching staff. If, this, if they're, they're going to be good, they're going to have to teach and coach. And guys like Copeland, who could be five-star potential if he was coached right, because he's got speed, he's got hands, he's got size. And I think Gonzalez made the big difference. Those are the things that help you in recruiting when you got cred for the young people. Now, you know what that's like. There's some, you know, it's hard to get through some kids. You know, you just can't throw your letter sweater out there, like if they still got them, and some people to see the, the big F and say, okay, let's go to Florida, because uh, the coaches have got to have something to offer the kids and they got a sense that they're going to be better, have a better chance to play professional ball, whatever, or win a championship, whatever. So apparently they're seeing some of that. Yeah, absolutely. And I can't remember if it was uh, John Hevesy or if it was uh, Gonzalez that said this today, but 
they, um, you know, another point they came across was, you know, they've coached zero star guys and they've coached five star guys. So mm -hmm. uh, have to differentiate between the two. Obviously, you go about them in a different manner, but it's all about development. And they really hit that point home on how developing the players once they get here is so key to them. You know, and they, you, you know, some of the guys come out of high school if you're a five star. You know, sometimes they say, oh, they they're hot shot. You know, they think they can just walk in and own the place. But both coaches today were like, no, you've got to earn that ball time. There's only one ball on the field. And, you know, you're not always going to get it just because you want it. you got to prove that. And they uh, they want them to prove that here in, in spring practice uh, and in, uh, in camp as well. So Shelby Williams, not on the surfboard like she usually is over at the beach in the good weather. She's finished out. This is your last semester, right? It is, yes. Uh, May 6th is graduation day. So. I can't believe you. You spent almost two years with us on the program, and uh, it's crazy. I think. Yeah. Uh, well, just give one more question. I'll let you go. Any blowback from the Georgia defeat last night, losing game as they did at the end in a painful way? Even Franz Beard, who might be the consummate homer, was steaming when I talked to him. Anybody reacted to that around your place? Yeah, well, it's funny you mentioned because I was actually uh, at the game last night and, um, you know, I was hoping like, oh, it's my senior year, you know, we got to win one rivalry at least and, you know, couldn't pull it off. And, uh, you know, a lot of people were really, really angry in the arena, um, especially with the refs. You know, the refing was just uh, really off, you know, and I'm not too, I'm not an expert on refs in basketball, especially, but uh, they are definitely, um, they are definitely uh were off last night and a lot of people were really angry about that especially the students you know the student section was just nuts over some of the calls they were making so that was one of the, the key problems but you know at least they didn't obliterate us that's all i can ask for that we didn't get completely blown out uh maybe you know maybe next we'll, we'll be out there to get them so well here's what i'm gonna leave you with all right of all these years of wisdom and gray hair that i have from it all right it's always about the refs, but it never is really about the refs, okay? In the end, it really isn't. It always feels that way, and I get it. I sometimes see things differently because I'm rooting for a team and whatever. But usually speaking, it's not really about the refs. There's plenty of opportunities to win that game. They can blame nobody about themselves. If they learn, they can make a free throw. You know, they can turn the ball over there at the end. Uh, right. if, if, if they had that game won and they let it get away from them. So that's collective. That's just on the players and the coaches. And don't get me wrong. We played, we played pretty horrible last night. So I am, I'm right there with you. You know, they, yeah. they could have done so much more to play better, but it just yeah. didn't happen. So yeah. I'm right there with you, buddy. All right, Shelby. Good job. Hope we'll check in with us again soon. All right. Absolutely. Thank you so much. See you guys later. Right. Appreciate it. Shelby Williams right there on campus. You see the, the, the O-Dome behind her and the, what is that, the Heavener Complex? Anyway, yeah, thanks very much. Appreciate that. Well, that's going to wrap up this, uh, was it Thursday already? Normally speaking, we'd be doing our Southern Pixie and Tonight show, which we don't do now. Tomorrow, we're going to be talking to Terry Bradshaw. He's in Hawaii. Maybe to show us some visuals there, huh, Brendo. Get a chance to see the big island. So um, he'll be on tomorrow. I think we'll have him. We're going to start about the same time tomorrow. We'll have Joe Williams. Uh, from Mile High Sports, he's always got something to say. Uh, we'll talk to uh, Chris Doring. Check in with Chris. We haven't talked to him in a while. And, uh, of course, Franz Beard is always around. So I want to thank everybody here tonight for watching uh, and listening. And tell your friends that 
If they want to watch it live, they may have to check in a little earlier, but it's still going to be there in the podcast brought to you by Daniel L. Hightower, Fighting for Accident Victim Justice since 1976. You can check us out. We're right there. We're on Stitcher. We're on iTunes, right, Brendo? Uh, iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on SoundCloud. Uh, we don't know. We are on iTunes. We're not on iTunes. Yes, we're on iTunes. Okay, there you go. Anyway, you can check the podcast or just go right back to Facebook right here. You can locate. By the way, you can also join us if you want to just log on and join the group. Uh, you can, well, you will, we got to keep a very close knit group of people. Really big news. Even Brendan had a chance, a chance to read it yet. When you read the story about the, uh, the best damn Bubba tailgate or whatever he calls it, the best damn tailgate. And Bubba has put together, Bubba Ennis, our, 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 our chief knight has put together a fantastic a program for us right there two blocks south of the stadium for the orange and blue game on the 14th of April. And you have to be a member of Gator Nation Kingdom in order to be able to attend. That's going to be remarkable. So if you're interested and you have friends interested, go on and ask to join. Go on to Gator Nation Kingdom, ask to join, uh, and uh, you will be our knights. We'll give you a review and sort of uh, give you a vet you. And, and if you, if you, you got a pretty good chance of getting in, uh, but we do block people out if they don't if they're not nice. We don't like rude people. We don't like people who use vulgarities. Uh, we don't like people who chop up fellow members or, or coaches or players. Now you can criticize. You can criticize coaches, players, me, whatever. It's okay. It's all right. We don't. We're not Teflon around here. But we just want to say this is. There's a saying: stay loyal to the kingdom, and that means a brotherhood and sisterhood of the um, of, of our group. A Gator Nation Kingdom, which was formulated here about two months ago for the purpose of being able to come to a safe place and talk about the Gators and your love for them and your frustrations over them sometimes. So many good things about to happen. With that, I will say thank you to Brendan Martin, our Supreme Executive Editor, for putting together stuff earlier today that we were able to uh, to use on the program tonight. Um, and also thank you to all the guests tonight once again. Uh, Franz Beard, Mike Duraco, uh, our friend uh, from um, Bill Sykes from his uh, Gators Breakdown. I want to get it right. Bill Sykes at Real B Sykes, um, Mike Duraco, and Shelby Williams. Uh, on their behalf, I'm Buddy Martin. Have a great night, everybody.